what that word meant was everything is in God's right order. It all relates to each other exactly as it's meant to. That was good in the Garden of Eden. And so when Paul says you're becoming right with God, right, good concept, same concept, he's saying the relationships with everything are back the way they're supposed to be. And it's in God's good order. So part of that is my relationship with God. Part of that is my relationship with other people. Part of that is my relationship with the creation he made. It's not just me. It's not just my individual rightness, but it's this whole concept of, of wholeness. And the idea that there was brokenness in creation between individuals and God and individuals and other people and becoming right with God is becoming back in order, back whole, back in shalom. That really, really, really important word in the Bible. That means we are whole. We are the way God meant it to be. So that's a, that's a concept we really need to keep up and upper in our minds when we talk about what is the good news. It's not just, I am personally right with God. It's way more than that. And we've reduced it to that in, in our culture a lot. And that's just not what's in the Bible. So we're going to start to put all that together by looking at some verses that tell us a little, little pieces about what the good news is. But do you have questions or thoughts so far? all either totally confused or totally with it. So very familiar one we're gonna look at first. And um, two questions after these verses. One of them is what part of the gospel is in this verse? Like if you could say, this is what the gospel is, is in these verses, what would it be? And why is that good news to people around us? And so that's the question in the back of the questions in the back of the mind as we read through these. John 3, 16, 17, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. First Corinthians 15, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been also passed on to me Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Matthew 20, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Romans 3, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. Those words again. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Several verses around the same idea. What is the essence of the gospel in these verses? 
Jesus. Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. Yes, <laughs> the good news was initiated by God. All right. It's all started by God. We don't really have a hand in that, fortunately. What does believe in Jesus mean in these contexts? Good question. Believe in scripture, as we've said before, is a really, it's, it's not an inactive verb. It is not passive. And it really has a connotation of trust. So it's not just, oh yes, I believe Jesus died for my sins. It is, I trust my life to God as my, as my Lord. I, I give it over to him. I trust that this is true and I'm going to live like that. That the faith without actions verse makes a lot more sense in that context. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because I mean, that's out of James and James is the one who says the demons believe in Jesus. They know who he is. They got the facts, but that doesn't make them Christians. So, yeah, like a trust um, similar to how Jesus as a man had to trust God's plan. We're not getting into Holy Trinity like <laughs> junk right now. Actually, we, we might a little bit, but. I mean, this is really laying out for us the basics of who Jesus was the reason we believe him to be Lord and a reason it affects us because he died in our place because we couldn't fulfill the covenant. And again, going and going back to the covenant in Genesis and we, this is where the whole Bible just really ties together and, and hangs together and it's all gospel. <laughs> but going back to that covenant that God made with Abraham, I will be your God and you will be my people. And Abraham said, yes, we will honor, we will hold on to that first love, we will live as your ambassadors, we will live as those who bless others, and we will live as you meant human beings to live. Um, history shows that we haven't done a great job of that. <laughs> we haven't been really good at blessing others. We haven't been really good at blessing the creation. We haven't been really good at being ambassadors of good news. And so in these verses, we get the reality that Jesus said, okay, I will be that perfect human. I will close that gap. And so here we get the good news. The gospel is that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice to completely, finally, forever fulfill that covenant that we, that we broke, that we could not fulfill. Um, and this is where we get into the, the Trinity bit that Emily was just saying we probably wouldn't get into, but we probably will. Because it's important because a lot of people, you know, if you talk to them and you say, okay, the good news is that Jesus died for your sins 
And as it said, is in this verse, he shed his blood for you. A lot of people are like, oh, that's, that's not good news. You're telling me about a vengeful God who hates me so much that he killed his own son. And that's not cool. And they get stuck there and they can't get past that. Um, and we get really confused when, when we start thinking that way, because what we've done then is we've kind of divorced Jesus as this incarnate human being from Jesus as God. And we can't do that to understand how he closed that gap, how he saved us from our sins. We can't, we cannot divorce Jesus at Christmas as an incarnate human being from Jesus at the crucifixion and the resurrection as God. God made the covenant with Abraham. God is the one who kept the covenant with Abraham when Abraham could not. And you see that back in Genesis. And then you come to Jesus. And that's what's happening. Jesus is God doing that, making that self-sacrifice. It's this loving choice to finalize the covenant. And it's not an angry God who needs blood or who needs to punish someone. It's, it's Jesus as God saying, I am finally and fully fulfilling that covenant. I am choosing to do it right now. I am choosing to be the sacrifice. And when he says it is finished on the cross, that's what's finished. That covenant is fulfilled forever, eternally, because he sacrificed. And so the good news is that we can live as God's people because that was the original covenant. I will be your God and you will be my people. And we couldn't do it. We couldn't be his people. And the good news is that Jesus says, I did it. I fulfilled the covenant. So now you can live as my people and you can be assured that God is for you because he is your God. And that's what we're being told at John 3, 16, in Romans 3, in, in those verses. I have done that covenant. It's done. I am your God and you are my people. That's the good news. Does that make sense so far? That was a little complicated. But I think it's important we understand that's what's going on. Yes. <laughs> so how, then the question is, how is that good news for people we know? Why should they care? I think... Oh, that's creepy. Oh, you said that the covenant that Jesus was fulfilling was the covenant between Abraham and God, that God said, I am your God and you are my people. How would Jesus sacrificing himself make us that we're God's people again? Good question. Um, because back in that original covenant, um, God is the one who fulfilled the whole thing with Abraham. Abraham wasn't, he fell asleep. He wasn't able to do it. Um, 
And so God said at that time, back in Genesis, I can't remember if it's 12 or 18, he did it. He fulfilled the covenant then as kind of, kind of a precursor for Abraham's people so that, his, so that he, he could still be their God and they could still be his people even though they kept messing up. And so when Jesus fulfills that covenant finally and completely, it's saying, I, I have completely done it. You don't have to do your part other than trust me. Because you, you couldn't do your part. So your part now is just trust me. Believe that I did that for you and choose to be my people. And I'll give you the power to be, to be my people because I was raised from the dead. And so, hey, I proved I have the power <laughs> to hold you and keep you as my people. Um, and it is mysterious. It's not like I can completely explain that logically, but does that Doesn't it, if you break a covenant, somebody has to die or something like that? And the, was it like something like if the covenant was not fulfilled or you didn't yeah. do it, the penalty well, was death or something? Okay. In the original covenant, it was, I mean, the animals were sacrificed. And so that was, that was the stopgap measure. Animals will be sacrificed so that you can keep your commitment. Um, but animals were never, you know, they were never sufficient for that. It's really hard to <laughs> wrap our minds around. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, op the alternative is like, like we get in the Garden of Eden, the alternative is you chose not to be God's people, well, then death entered the world. And so humans are going to die. And so Jesus said, okay, I don't want humans to die because I love them. And so I'm going to keep the covenant. I'm going to make sure that eternal life is yours again. That help? I think so. It's very cyclical in a really weird way. How do you explain to people the need for Jesus in the first place? I'm not the only one who can answer the questions. <laughs> because it's hard to um, get anybody motivated anything about something that they don't view as a problem right so that's where it has to be and, right and uh, so part of that has to be the work of the spirit i mean as as arminians uh we believe that the holy spirit is working to um to enable people to make the choice but also to convince them that uh, they need to make a choice but uh, that sometimes happens through situations in their lives 
sometimes happens um, just bumping up in against Christians who are living this life and they wonder, why is that? That's what happened to Jill. Yeah. And I think, I think we'll probably, as we go on, we'll get more into answers to that question as we go on to more of what the gospel is. Um, I listened to, in answering the question, how could it be good news for people we know that we can live as God's people? Um, I was listening to a little clip from a pastor this last week that was really insightful, I thought, to this point of like, why is it good news? Why, well, how do we explain this to people? And one of the things he said is that in earlier times, a lot of our evangelism began in Genesis 3. So a lot of our evangelism began in, you are all sinners, you have all broken God's law, you are all destined to die. And then it goes from there. And what he says is that we have to begin in Genesis 1, which is what I have also said for years, um, because we no longer live in a moralistic age where we need to prove to people that they're sinners. He said, we live in an anxious age where we need to prove to people that they're worth something. So we need to begin in Genesis 1 with the unique dignity God gives us as his image bearers. And he said, we can begin to cast a vision of what it looks like means to be a human being that in the light of our culture's understanding will appear to be very shriveled and actually dehumanizing so what he's saying is you want to tell people the good news start in genesis 1 where god says i am making human beings in my image and i think they are very good i love them i want to be their god instead of starting in genesis 3 you all are awful human beings who don't deserve to walk the earth, but God loves you anyway. That doesn't register in our world very well because we live in a world where, where people need to know, and, that's, and that is what brought me to Christ. People need to know they actually mean something. They're actually here for a reason. And that some cosmic thing cares about that and so we can touch people at that level you are here for a reason because you are beloved by a creator god that's where the gospel starts it doesn't really start with you are a horrible sinner it gets to we are all sinners <laughs> so when we people about you know the good news maybe what that looks like is looking at our friends and our neighbors and our family who are living with fear or worry or hopelessness or anxiety not clinical anxiety but just anxiousness and saying there is a creator who made you with unique dignity and i know this personally because he is my god and i am his i am his people so that's the first part of the gospel it's good news that we can live as god's people and be assured that god is for us and that that i think is a message that is that people need right now because we do, as the guy, as the pastor said, we live in an anxious age. 
where people are wondering, we live, we live, you know, in an age where the suicide rate this year has gone up astronomically. And if we can tell people the good news that God is for them and that he's proved it by sacrificing himself, that's pretty good news that they have a purpose, that they were created for a purpose. Um, that's only the first part. So I think we'll get to the rest of it next week. Any, anything else, any other thoughts on that so far? Questions, which I may or may not be able to answer. I think that that makes a lot of sense. The anxiety and needing to start in Genesis one thing, because yeah, like there's just, I mean, even to the point of almost being a joke now of the, you know, evangelizing to somebody thing and being like, you're going to hell or you're a sinner and stuff like that. Like, you know, people, people, nobody likes to be told that first off um and and yeah making things more intentional making it more about the life that we live with god rather than whether or not we die what happens when we die kind of like you were saying at the beginning i think is really important yeah people want good news now and they should have it because it is good news now. Well, we're gonna finish the rest of what good news is next week then. Um, and we are going to go to communion now.